0: The incredible events facing the world in the coming months as the year 2000 approaches will cause many to question what lies ahead for the world. A growing fascination with the prophecies regarding events that will transpire in the last days is already causing many to re-examine their view of the world. But the fate of nations is not necessarily the fate of individuals. Those who fully understand what is happening around them and are prepared to meet the challenge have the best chance of surviving the coming events more or less intact. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Tim, how are you tonight, sir? How, How am I? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. <clears throat> doing all right.
1: I, I thought I had a better question to ask, and then it just sort of escaped my mind, so I thought I would just politely ask how you are.
0: I feel like we're on the same page. I also thought you'd have a better question to ask, <laughs> um, but uh, seeing how we just spoke for 20 minutes, and I kind of yeah. displayed in that 20 minutes how I was doing, but uh, I'm doing okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks for running that by me. Good, um, good. You don't have another question, do you? You don't yeah. have something how, else. How, how do you think you'll be doing tomorrow?
1: Well, just curious. Yeah. Have curiosity. you thought about that. How do you have you thought about how you're going to be doing tomorrow?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to look back on tonight and think, boy, that was rough. <laughs> that was that was a hard way to start the show. And let's see how we can salvage this for when the episode goes up. That's probably what I'll be thinking. At least how I'll be thinking. How I'll be doing? Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm internally not doing very well. So that'll probably continue. Okay. You know, that, that's that's because that's terminal. I but, see. You
1: know, yeah. Yeah. So there right. you go. There you All have right. it. Well, it's just curious. I was just curious, you know, if you think about what your future holds for you. Just was curious about that. Now, see, that's good. Now I see what Is you're doing better? now. It's Is better. That a little better?
0: I mean, I yeah, no, that works
1: in with the topic a
0: little <laughs> bit versus the other thing which kind of just made me think that maybe you weren't listening uh, prior to the start <laughs> of the show when we were catching up. Uh, Long-term listeners, Bob Uh, and Tim, but anyone else who also might be listening to this. uh, When Bob and I, we record the show on two different coasts. I'm on the East Coast, you're on the West. uh, Then we use a little aggregate online to record it. So usually we warm up a little bit beforehand. We take about 20 minutes just to catch up on the microphones. You know, and then we start the actual show.
1: Um, Why am I explaining this? I don't know. So we can probably just keep it. It's important background information for people to have so they can understand why this sucks, perhaps. (laughs) Wow. Well, I I mean, you were saying it. I mean, you weren't using those words, but you said just as much. You were going to be lamenting tomorrow how, how poorly everything went and and i guess
0: i was lamenting and i guess you're you're just validating so that's that's fine but uh for today let me uh today let me let me let me ask you something then let Please. me let me get things started with a question for you okay. um how did you uh spend new years 1999
1: was that the night that i can't remember if we tried to hang out
0: I think you can't remember New Year's the last year <laughs> of yeah, the 20th you know, century.
1: It was a long time ago and I'm an old man Tim, but I'm pretty sure we hung out with my current wife uh, who at the time was my girlfriend. Is that correct? No. Nope. No it is not. Okay. We're, we're talking 1999.
0: We're talking the summation of, 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 of a millennia. It was. I we're think, talking yeah. the world at large with their eyes on TV that this was the biggest New Year's ever. I mean,
1: you don't have a memory really of it. Does it not stick out like any eternal I mean, I remember feelings? a lot of prep leading up to it, a lot of concern uh, leading up to it, a lot of excitement. Uh, and I remember portions of that night. I do believe I was drinking. Um, but – I then, you know, looking back, the night was ultimately uneventful. It was a fun time. It was a fun night. It was a party, but nothing that uh, I think many people believed would happen. Airplanes falling out of the sky Ooh. because of Y2K and, and so forth. Um, yeah, it just turned out to be another New Year's Eve type of thing.
0: Okay. You're mentioning a little bit of uh, anxiety, A little bit of uh, maybe that little nervousness end of the century jitters. I think those are accurate. Um, What I remember, and I guess we we, we spent a little time together, but mainly what I remember is I did spend a lot of my night downtown in Boston. Um, I did spend a lot of that New Year's Eve avoiding the subways. Mm. And I think, kind of like you were just describing a little bit, so maybe we had a a, a similar experience, I, I spent a good portion of New Year's Eve 1999 Um, anticipating uh, an imminent uh, apocalypse. Here's a checklist to help you, your family, and your community prepare for Y2K. Do you have at least a three-week supply of water on hand? Do you have at least a three-week supply of food ready, primarily canned and dried foods, which are not dependent upon refrigeration for freshness? Do you have hard copies
1: of all your important documents, such as bank statements, stocks, assets, birth certificates, and so on? I have a question for you, Tim. Do you have emergency... How convinced were you, really? Like, how much did you honestly believe that? Because we lived together, and we weren't hoarding food. We didn't have stocks of fresh water in the apartment. Probably had some some Crystal Pepsi.
0: (laughs) I don't... Possibly. I, I was trying to think of a timelier <laughs> drink uh, than
1: 1988's Crystal Pepsi. We had Frutopia. We had some Futopia. That's a good one, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I know I was eating lots of Ben & Jerry's. We probably had like three or four pints of Ben & Jerry's in that So freezer. we were probably
0: set if power was to go <laughs> That's out. That's all we needed. Um, But you asked me how how much I think it was going to happen.
1: Yeah, because you would think of something you know, that I've heard of and seen interviews with um, – What I would like to sometimes refer to as nut jobs who Hmm. have a shelter built and are stocked up and expect it for sure. That next day, all hell is going to break loose and they're the ones that are going to be prepared and everyone else is going to suffer. But you didn't, I mean, I'm sure you had that anxiety, but I don't, I don't remember you being that kind of um, um, stockpile natured sort of fellow.
0: No, but I mean, I didn't have a savings account either. (laughs) That's true. There was definitely a lot of anxiety that something was going to go wrong on a large scale. That something bigger, something massive, something unlike anything I'd experienced before was going to tragically befall the world. And what happened? Uh, I think I watched South Park, the movie with some friends. (laughs) And then they ran the trains all night, so around seven in the morning, I hopped on a train and went home. But, but prior to that, <laughs> to make this episode at all interesting, um, you didn't have. I don't. I think we. I think we differ here, and I know we differ here <clears throat> because when I proposed this topic, you were like, "Ah, okay." Um, you weren't fearing. For, you didn't. You didn't have a sense of the apocalypse. You didn't have the sense of the end I mean, times found with it...
1: this. No, I mean I found it interesting. Um, you know, I, I, at that time was sort of, you know, anything, anything with predictions and, and possible, uh, I don't even know if you would say, um, supernatural type things that could occur because it's the turn of the century and because of, of, of God knows what could happen. Um, or if, you know, any, any sort of, um, um, I don't know, just just a group of people that decide this means something and so we're gonna do something. um yeah, I always found that interesting, but I never really felt like it was actually going to be anything as bad as what some were predicting or you know um so so it was interesting and I would read about it and I'd find it interesting and I like the theories, and you know, I would kind of use those theories to kind of come up with little stories and ideas of my own, but I never really it didn't really bugged me too much that turn of the century.
0: It did for me
1: because I had spent
0: this, I spent a lot of <clears> my <throat> life leading up to it. Something I very much remember from my childhood that I think laid the groundworks for this anticipation and this anxiety was um, there was a documentary that came out in 1981 um, entitled The Man Who Saw Tomorrow and it was uh, hosted by Orson Welles. Hi. And it was a, uh, a look at the prophecies, the predictions, and what was supposedly left of the guesswork of, of the famous soothsayer Nostradamus. And it was uh, it was a big screen documentary. It played in the theaters. I wouldn't have seen it when it came out. Um, I probably saw it three or four years later. I, I, I remember seeing it on like a Sunday afternoon. I was probably in elementary school flipping around some channels and it was on. And I watched part of it. And there's a segment... You know, so it introduced me to this idea of someone who supposedly predicted things. And are you you familiar with Nostradamus? Do you know a little bit about him?
1: Uh yeah,
0: a little bit. I, I, I know how? That he... like how how have you how have you heard of him?
1: Um mostly from like those specials I think that were on Fox and 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 maybe in syndication that would be those supernatural specials. Um I don't know if I've seen that particular documentary, but I've certainly seen segments of 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 those types of shows. You know, mysteries of the unknown or whatever that would uh, um, talk about his predictions and correlate, okay, here's here's what he said in one of his quatrains and here's what happened and here's how they, they correlate and the colors he mentioned are the colors here and the name he mentioned is very close to this person's name, that sort of thing.
0: What I remember from this documentary, and again, it's, it's, it's Orson Welles. I am a unicorn and towards the end of the special, he began talking about, um, it's, I believe it's referred to as Quatrain 97. In the year 1999 and seven months, from the sky will come the great king of terror. He will bring back to life the king of the Mongols before and after war reigns. Garden of the world, the new city in the way of the man-made mountains shall be seized on and plunged into ferment. fires, a great place burns with heat, a hot wind, war. The great city will soon be quite deserted. Not a single one of the inhabitants will remain.
1: I remember this. Wasn't like the forty-five degrees, like the latitude or longitude or something. Yeah, people are interpreting
0: this to mean New York. People are interpreting this to mean nineteen ninety-nine. So this and this got into my head, you know, because there I was, not even ten probably sitting there watching this documentary, and my understanding of how documentaries worked was that they were factual. This was like news. I don't know what channel this was on, but this got into my head because it gave a date, it gave a location, and it gave an event with evocative pictures. Now you said you've seen some specials on Nostradamus. You've seen yeah. stuff about him. They're they're sensationalized. I'm willing right. to say. You know, yeah. you you want to make it exciting. You want to make it terrifying because the interesting thing about his predictions are that they're predicting horrible things. Yeah. This set up the date for me, 1999. It was a different month to be honest, from what the interpretation is, but the fact of 1999 stuck in my head, the fact of this horrifying destruction or attack on New York, and the fact that it was being used to describe this will start World War III, this will start Judgment Day, whatever, laid this groundwork in the mid-80s that in 15 years' time, this was going to happen. And it's a documentary that Orson Welles himself didn't buy. I am a unicorn. I think he looked at it as garbage. I think he made fun of it in interviews, but I didn't know that as a kid. I just saw this giant booming man tell me that guaranteed destruction was coming on a timetable. And so I I think that's kind of why that special kind of hit me. Like I would stay up nights fearing things about nuclear war. I I would read about predictions and be very scared of them. So this this shook me, and it was always somewhere in my head. Like, Did you ever get a sense that the turn of the century – That there was some talk that that would be horrific. That because you know we're leaving the 90s, we're leaving a millennia. There's all this symbolism of of a step into a new age. Like, did any
1: of that circle around you growing up? Um, not not growing up. No, not really. I mean, certainly there is the nuclear war fear. That was just uh, you couldn't escape that Uh, as as a child. I remember one time um, seeing a news report in the middle of the day. And I can't remember what it was about exactly, but it was nuclear-related. I was with a babysitter. And just as that report finished, we could hear airplanes overhead. And I had to be six or seven, not that old. But even at that age, I was like, I I correlated what happened in the TV and what they were talking about with nuclear missiles or, or peace agreements or broken peace agreements And then I hear the airplanes, and I'm thinking they're military planes. Um, And it freaked us out. We had to run outside and see what was happening. Um, So I didn't escape that. But as for the turn of the century being a problem, that I didn't catch on to until I was older and in college and probably hanging out with you, to be honest. Well, many apologies
0: for that. (laughs) But something, again, in this documentary, as a child viewing it as, well, it must be factual because it's a documentary, it's set up, yes, a date, a timetable. So that was now laid out in front of me. And that hung there, that stayed there, that was always on my mind. So like to actually reach that date eventually, I was reaching it with a lot of anticipation. But, you know, there was still a lot of time spanning that and and a lot of time to kind of feed into my head, well, what does 1999 mean? And I have to say another thing from childhood, again, this would have been from in the 80s, that I think kind of informed and gave me a little bit of of a sense of anxiety for the approaching change in millennium is uh, someone we've never talked about on this show, strangely. Uh, the musician Prince. You know Prince, sure. right?
1: I do know Prince. Not personally. Well, but. Yeah, that I know. That part yeah.
0: I <laughs> So uh, Prince had a 1982 album called 1999, and um, off of it is the song 1999 um, that eventually I think got on the Billboard charts sometime in 1983. Um, do you know the song 1999, the party like it's 1999? I do. Yeah, can't can't not know that song. I think. What do you know of it? Like, what what, what sticks in your head about that song?
1: Um, it, it's it's uh, just a great. Uh Song. It's upbeat. (laughs) It's um, about partying like it's 1999. And one would think that that would be a pretty damn fine party since it's the turn of the century. Um, If you're going to turn it around and tell me that it's it's darker than that, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, for me, it's just a fun, good time song. Have you ever listened to the lyrics? Just the party like it's 1999 part. You're going to bring me down, aren't you, Tim? Well...
0: The um, in the very opening of it is the line "Woke up this morning, could have sworn it was Judgment Day." <laughs> um, was a line that I very clearly heard. The song also ends with this repeated confession of "Mommy, why does everyone have the bomb?" Is this repeated chorus at the end of the song? So it's kind of wow. bookended with this playing into my fears. This song, this song was kind of set. In, the, in that era of the, of the Nostradamus videos. This song was kind of set with this idea of a guaranteed destruction at the turn of the century. This idea of partying like it's 1999 was, nothing's gonna make it past this, so we might as well have one last party. It was prophetic, like a new mm. wave, Nostradamus. And it was coming from this guy, Prince, who always seemed strangely apocalyptic to me anyways. like I, At age eight, I think, I saw his Wind Dove's cry video. That terrified me. Sure. Um, I remember this documentary about backmasking, playing songs backwards and hearing secret messages. And Prince was mentioned in that. So there was this weird mystical sense to that. So the idea of the song always creeped me out. The idea that, again, someone knew something was coming was freaky. And then that he was kind of preaching, it's coming. We, it's unavoidable. So let's just party until it hits. Like that's the basis of that song. Right. And it's a pop song. It's on the radio and it's fun and everybody knows it, but it is kind of this idea that it's unavoidable. It's still coming. It kind of built up that anxiety, but you didn't, you don't hear that in the song, huh? You, that's not something that you're, you're, you're getting from it.
1: It's, it's never been one of those songs I sing along to in completion. But except for that, you know, party like it's 1999 part. And I always kind of had that feeling that it's because, you know, it's, well, you know, I don't think I ever did really believe or feel that it was because it was all ending. I just thought it was a, a, a big date, a big turnover in time. And that's why the party was so raging. Uh, not because there was a Holocaust approaching. But this is in the 80s. So this
0: idea of this date being away, this party being away... It would be strange to reach that, wouldn't it? Like, isn't it so focused in the song, like this idea that this song and the relevance of this song is that it's set in the future, 1999. Yeah. So to be approaching that, to get to that, is kind of an accomplishment. It's kind of a motion through time. It's moving towards something. And that, I don't know, that kept building up through the 90s for me. We're getting closer and closer. And I don't know, there's something... When pop culture makes a prediction, when pop culture sets a date, when pop culture has a, a point that it's going towards, and I don't think of this at the time, but to get to that time, there's a weird, that's a weird experience, I think. I'm thinking of like Back to the Future Part Two with the date of 2015 or, or, you know, 2001 with the date of... Whatever that was. Like, yeah. these are things that exist as their story, they're fiction, or it's a song that exists, it's pop music. But we buy into it, we enjoy it, we're accepting of it. For some reason, getting to that point that they're speaking of is eerie. Because that's going to validate or invalidate. The piece of pop culture in a way right like back to the future always had the extreme ridiculousness of a time-traveling car but we bought into it we enjoyed it and now they go to the future isn't this exciting in 1989 when we saw the part two we see the future do you remember getting to 2015 do you remember that feeling of actually hitting that date
1: um yeah i mean i don't think i thought of it as i finally reached the future of back to the future um but you know the 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 Facebooks and the and just the pop culture at large wouldn't let me um g- go unnoticing of the fact that we have now reached the back to the future future Did it, does it invalidate the movie now is it kind of like oh they got that
0: wrong so this is no, clearly no, a I've piece never, of fiction I've never
1: thought about that I mean you know it you know they'll, they'll be the jokes <clears throat> where's my hoverboard <clears throat> where's my flying car that kind of thing that's hilarious um, yeah they're jokes apparently they're good
0: ones yes
1: um but it it doesn't invalidate the movie for me it's just that was the the vision and the storytelling from from when that story was created does it seem weird to be past that now
0: does it seem weird to be five years past back to the future part two when that was the no. future no it doesn't
1: feel weird to me oh does it does, i'm assuming it feels weird to you sir I
0: think in movies, stuff like that, it does when we, when we surpass the era that it's supposed to take place. And again, I still enjoy back to the future part two, but, um, I don't know. Movies set in the future when it's a reachable future, when it's something where it's like, well, I'm going to be alive for that. You know, from the moment you see them till that time, there is always this weird measurement. It's a measurement of the passage of time, which is odd to me. Like a, a, another example I was going to bring up in terms of dealing with 1999 um, was a movie that was released uh, in 1995, actually, just four years before the, the set date of 1999. Um, uh, Catherine Bigelow, the director, um, directed a movie called Strange Days, uh, written by James Cameron. And a gentleman named Jay Cox, unless my autocorrect corrected that. (laughs) Um, Do you remember this movie? Do you remember Strange Days? I do remember
1: the movie existing. Yes. (laughs) Great. This was not a movie that I (laughs) went to see, but I know the movie exists. Yes. In the future, ex-cop Lenny Nero buys and sells other people's experiences.
0: (gasps) about the stuff that you can't have right the forbidden fruit i am your main connection to the switchboard of souls but tonight on the eve of the 21st century in a city on the brink of chaos lenny just wire tripped into a murder (laughs) you gotta help me lenny please pick up the phone. now with his trusted friend mace he's out to stop the killer before (laughs) he strikes again
1: no more games. Whatever's going on, you have to get out of here now. It's the dark end of the street. How do you like it now? You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes.
0: Give us the tape right now. It's a
1: setup. This conspiracy, paranoid. The issue isn't whether you're paranoid, Lenin. The issue is whether you're paranoid enough. This tape is a lightning bolt from God. Move!
0: Move. I remember watching this movie because it's a fun movie. It's a cool sci-fi movie, um, and. Once again, like The Prince Song and like the the Nostradamus documentary, it's a movie that picked the date of 1999 to focus on. And since it was coming out in 1995, this movie, this one was kind of the first time that I really felt like we were approaching the 21st century. This was the time we were in college. I was like, wait, 1999, that is only four years away. You know, it's going to be a different century. It's going to be this new era and and this movie and all of its anxiety towards that kind of melded into my own place because that was making me think that it was pretty close. It always seemed a little further away, you know, mm-hmm. 2099. But this, it was only four years, but because this movie was out and because it would probably have more to talk about if we had both seen it, um, <laughs> this was kind of when I started really feeling that anxiety of, uh-oh. We're approaching this era. We're approaching this period. But you didn't—you didn't have that, huh? You weren't starting your. We were in college, so you weren't—you weren't looking ahead with
1: dread. You've already said that. Yeah, no, not not to that degree. Um, I was certainly interested in the theories and the myths and whatnot, um, but clearly, I wasn't interested in that type of of, of pop culture entertainment either, because I, I had no desire to see Strange Days when it came out um and yeah i didn't have that anxiety do you ever have anxiety about the future do you live in fear of the future um i do i live in fear of my own personal future i have anxiety over over my life and my job and my children and my wife so what
0: stokes like you have an anxiety for you for your immediate future like what 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 is this like anxiety what what is what is that you're feeling?
1: Um, I think I'm feeling, well, the fact that I now have a family, it makes me uh, responsible for their well-being. Um, And so I worry, I I have an anxiety over making sure that everything is going well for them. Um, And so that's what really stokes that, is just that personal connection for them and their future and, and my worry about that. I've thought about this before, like if I didn't have them, my wife and children... Um, I, I don't think I would have this anxiety because I, really? I wouldn't be so concerned about my own well being because I figure I'm I'm able to handle that.
0: <laughs> what kind of anxiety did you have when we were in college, or did you have any? What was what was I '90s did, I, anxiety for you?
1: I I think my anxiety was was still kind of a personal anxiety, and I, I guess that uh, is how I would describe it. It's like, you know, what am I gonna? What job am I gonna get after college? Am I gonna get a job? What do I do if I don't get a job? Uh, what happens? I'm, you know, if I run out of money, I moved out to LA, and ah, I didn't get a great job right away. What am I going to do next? So I've had that kind of anxiety.
0: But nothing on a global scale. You've ever feared for the Earth, feared for the planet?
1: I mean, I more so have in the last decade or so, yes. Um, but but in a realistic way, um, in that it's you know, climate change, democracy crumbling, that sort of thing. And not necessarily um, uh, predictions of the rising of the Antichrist or anything like that. Hmm. But doesn't that
0: tie into, or can't that tie into this? I mean, the crumbling of democracy. That you could find, I mean, again, a lot of this stuff, to speak of Nostradamus or, or religions, you know, it, they're metaphors, they're symbolism, they're, they're, they're wordings. So this idea of the Antichrist, but, but, but just the, an, a feel of an apocalypse, of a massive change, of Armageddon, of that final change, the Battle of Megiddo and all of that. That is a sweeping, overwhelming feeling that I used to feel all the time. And, and and so I just you didn't, but you didn't,
1: you didn't have end time anxiety. You didn't, you didn't have that. No, not really. I mean, it would, I would, I would have, I would have it, and I would maybe you know have chills, and it would linger for a day or two if we saw one of those specials, or if you were discussing, you know, the quatrains, or or if if you know if we were watching something that that alluded to that, um, or the news report about Y two K or something. Um, well, that's
0: something. Why don't we talk about that? Y2K. What, what was that? what? what?
1: See, so, you know, Y2K to me seemed more realistic. Um, this was something that was, and I don't know the full details of Y2K. I've got like the, the cliff notes, I guess. Um, essentially, computers were programmed in a way that um, they used some shortcuts back in the 60s and 70s when computers, or maybe even earlier than that when computers were being um, uh, created and utilized, um, shortcuts with dates and so not anticipating when we turn over to the 2000s that the date calculations wouldn't render correctly in the systems and nobody really knew what would happen when that date clicked over um, with some shutdown would would just everything get wiped and erased would would all the things that we've come to computerize suddenly not be functioning um, and that to me, seemed like something that could possibly happen. It, I nobody seemed to know. Um, and so the, there were all sorts of um, precautions put in place and and reprogramming that was being done up to the last minute from what I remember. Um, and so that seemed like a real type of f- thing to fear. Like uh, that's an unknown that 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 is is tangible, at least the millennium bug they call. Yeah, it. that's what it was called.
0: I think there are individual banks that will probably go bankrupt. There are individual credit unions that will disappear over this issue. We get people who email us and say, I'm a Y2K fixer at a major bank. And every time we try it, it crashes. There are medical machines that will fail in ICU
1: units. What we're finding are computer programs that don't work.
0: The hospital's revenue stream may stop, just dead stop. Some people will die. Not doing anything about the Y2K problem could lead to failure of up to 330,000 small businesses. You know, things just kind of topple over one after the other. We're talking about a loss of a way of life, you know, our dependence on this uh, uninterrupted life in which the uh, energy grid supplies a lot of our needs on a daily basis. You're going to see um, some real dislocation, panic, fear. And the problem globally is worse than it is here. And when did you first hear about this? When when did you first become aware that there was this potential for a massive computer crash? I
1: feel like it was after college. Mm-hmm. Do do you think it was earlier than that? I didn't hear about it till nineteen ninety-nine. Oh yeah, that year. I feel like I heard about it a little a little earlier than that.
0: Well, they were writing about it as early as 1984. That I found in the wow. Wikipedia article that you're probably quoting. Ironic, exactly. <laughs> and I, th- I think they were writing about it as early as Animal Farm. No, they, it, <laughs> so it was something they were aware of, and that was one of the things. Like I remember hearing that. I remember hearing there's some fear that the way computers work are going to fail us when we hit 2000. And the thought that I had, playing into all these other fears, was well, why would you develop a program to do that? Why, why wasn't this previously anticipated? Why wasn't this anticipated at the onset? And while there are answers to that, it stemmed from the cost of storage, somehow breaking the dates down a certain way saves you money. And it stemmed from the fact that nobody thought programs would be useful beyond a certain period. And then the world became more and more digital and more and more things were relying, relying on this and replicating the stuff. But it struck me as a horrifying new fear. It struck me as sort of the modern interpretation of all of these past predictions. And, and I wasn't the only one there. I mean, there were, there were plenty of cults. <laughs> there were plenty of religious leaders. There were plenty of, of, of just fringe thought that, that were looking at this as, well, this was a manufactured glitch. Intended to bring about some sort of end of the world, you know. Mm. There was an idea that public utilities would crash, you know, gas and electric would falter. You were saying at the beginning, airplanes falling out of the sky because something with their flight systems were were, were off. All of this supposedly happening when the dates went from 99 to 2000. You know, that was around the time electronic banking was getting bigger. I remember thinking, well, electronic banking could crash. And even if it's only down for a couple of minutes while it's down, they're going to get in there. They're going to change our records, change our social security numbers, change our finances. Like I was getting really paranoid that there was the secret government. Well, I wonder if we are truly that dependent. And I sort of imagine that we are every single function of government is computer controlled, most of them. Have this problem. I mean, I could go on and mention every alphabet agency. My God, NSA, CIA, they'll fall apart along with Social Security, along with the Veterans Administration, and
1: checks will go out. And I guess the question is, what happens to the money? Uh, Is some kind of enormous heist of the whole human race? Is that why there's so little interest in fixing the problem? Because, in fact, the problem is somehow going to make a lot of people incredibly wealthy, and no one will be able to trace the exact outlines of the heist.
0: It's it's, it's preposterous, but it played into this this fervor of, this was manipulated. This is such an obvious fault in a computer system. And the world, at least my world, was just starting to rely on computers. I probably had just discovered what Amazon was. I probably just discovered that you could look stuff up that way. And so this idea that it could, we could be doomed by this. Yeah. Unfortunately, in 1999, I, it was fun to buy into the idea that it was an inside job. And again, I wasn't the only one to think this. Unfortunately, evangelical Christians took advantage of these fears. Hmm. Um, survivalists, the the, the, the the people who stocked their houses with beef jerky. I am a unicorn. So there was this massively overthought, over-exaggerated, over-expounded upon fear that this was how it was going to happen. Because it was a new technology. It was this idea that this technology was new. This is why it was put in place. And that was this thought that I had, not entirely rationally, because I think it's fun to believe in these things, but there was this idea that we could be befallen by this. And they called it the Millennium Bug. They called it Y2K. It made covers of magazines. There was actual panic about this. I don't know how much of it yeah. we saw, but it was legitimate panic to something like this.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that also amounted to nothing, right?
0: Uh, well, I think I had to reset the date on my Windows 95 and Carta disk. <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't much damage from it. It was sort of a letdown. It wasn't the sci-fi thing I'd hoped it to be.
1: Now, did you... So did you want there to be an event? Did you want there to be something that happened? As much as you were being anxious and worried about it, did you also kind of want something to happen? Of course not. (laughs) I'm not a survivalist. I'm also not religious. I didn't think it was a
0: wrath of God. But no, I didn't want it to actually happen. Yeah. But there is some sort of a fascination, and I think it's a pop culture fascination, with this turn-of-the-century apocalypse. You know, it was a sci-fi thing for me. You know, it was my chance to live the X-Files out, you know. It was this thing that I knew something that somebody else didn't know. Something bad was going down. You know, it, it was just... There had been all this anticipation. There had been almost two decades of buildup for me, and then, you know, two millennia buildup for the rest of the world. It was just this thought that. How could it not be this massive thing? How could the how could it not be apocalyptic? There's been all this anxiety, all this anticipation that has to be for something, right? And it had built a, built up at such a steady pace. The, the way the mind could work, I got to play around with the pop culture. That was exciting, you know. Reading Grant Morrison's work, seeing movies like uh, what's that Will Smith movie with the satellites there, Enemy of the State. Like seeing these things where. There are forces at work. Like, this allowed me to play into that a little bit. You know, it's fun to be part of that story. Right. Or was. <laughs> Until an actual tragedy hit, you know, just a little over a year later. <laughs> right. And that changed things. But, yeah, I I was let down. It's weird to be let down by the lack of an apocalypse. But it's what happened. I mean, it happened. The you know, it happened again in twenty twelve. You know, the 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 end of the Mayan calendar there, the thirteenth Baktun cycle coming to a close, and this idea that 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 was the measurement of time, and, and that was another one where it's like there was this massive long term measurement towards the end of the world, and then we got to it and got past it.
1: Yeah, and and I think you and I both just really enjoy. The possibility that there's a greater power at work, perhaps that there's something mystical and supernatural. Um, maybe you know there are cultures before us, the Mayans, for instance, that just knew things somehow. I think there's talk of alien interaction, you know, and and that's how they get to know these things and that's how these predictions come to be. It's just really cool and interesting to think about that as a possibility. What if? You know, and then, yeah, I remember in in 2012, I think it was 2012, there was all this talk of the the end of the calendar. And then wasn't that when they discovered some giant uh, meteor whizzing towards Earth around the same time? Like it was discovered and then it's like, whoa, hey, now let's start putting all this together. Maybe there is something to this. And it's just it's just fun. I mean, this is just like. When I was a kid, I used to uh, not not really a kid, but a teenager. I worked at a convenience store, and uh, during the 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 downtime, I would pull out the was it Star Magazine or the Enquirer, and there'd be all the these World News reports. Yeah, the World News—that's the one, especially that would just have all these wacky, crazy stories and ideas and creatures, and and just you know, you know, they're not true, but what if? you know what if there's just a hint of a possibility of this thing but what is the need for that because here's the thing that it's and i don't
0: i still don't know entirely where i stand my belief on ufos and ghosts that i you know i'm constantly struggling with that because is it a real belief or is it a fun belief but what's the point of getting worked up of getting the anxiety of actually dreading something based on your little pop culture entertainment like i The 1999 into 2000 was so stamped with a time of massive change, new century, new millennia, horrible things will happen. What's the point of getting off on that if it is actually, if it was actually two decades of anxiety for me? Like this was on my mind. This did hover there. And now it's hard to look back and remember, did I really believe it? Or what were, you know, you asked me, did I believe it? I don't know. I don't know exactly what I thought was going to happen, but the fact that I thought it could happen definitely did not make it easier. I mean, I guess it was because I still went out that night and I did, like you said, I didn't prepare myself for the worst, but there's something, I don't understand the toying with that emotion that way, the anticipation, the interpreting of these things that were really just pop music and, and shock cinema and, and just, you know, narrative cinema. Like, why take those things to mean something? I'm trying to think if I still do this. I don't think I take from pop culture now the horrors of what could happen. You know, I don't think I, I don't think I treat it as cautionary tales and predictions. But I did, and I did for a while. And and it's it's those pieces of entertainment now are no longer relevant to me. I haven't gone back and watched Strange Days. I I don't listen to Party Like It's 1999 and think anything about it.
1: Do you think that you don't have? Um this type of, of belief and anxiety now because there isn't uh, an end date as clear and defined as 1999?
0: I think you can always find an end date. I mean, maybe it's not in like the literature and the comic books and stuff, but there are always people posting dates. Um, I mean, I, I think part of but, what but happened nothing is
1: as, as distinct as the turn of a century at this point. I mean, maybe you could have a decade turnover or something, but um I mean, 1999 to 2000 is such a big deal. And so now we don't have to worry about that for another uh, thousand years.
0: That's true. And I would almost (laughs) say that we don't have to worry about it then because (laughs) I do think it's a little less possible to enjoy these things now. Mm. The concept of a fiery end, the concept of these apocalypses, the concept of of a horrible event occurring – in entertainment and then kind of living through that vicariously and thinking it could happen like my belief in fucking or my interest in fucking conspiracy theories. You know, I sound like a lunatic with a little paragraph I said about what fringe thoughts were about the millennium bug, but I used to enjoy all that stuff. I used to really enjoy paranoia magazine and all these books on the secret government because it was a fun, exciting thing to think. All of that changed when I faced a real tragedy Right. With the New York attack and the Pentagon attack and, and, and the wars that have followed in this current administration, living through actual events that play so into that makes it less less appealing to get involved in it. Because that's the thing. like I, I used to read and en- embrace apocalyptic literature. It is kind of harder to have this doomsday pop culture now. I don't know. I mean, do you find that? Do you find like watching things that are about, you know, horrifying ends and, 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 and apocalypses and things like that? Is that harder to view, harder to watch, or engage yourself in now? Or is it still fun
1: fiction? I mean, I think it's still fun fiction, but I'll be honest, I can't recall watching anything along those lines of late. I'm trying to think of the last sort of uh, apocalyptic dystopian future pop culture that i've enjoyed and and the thing that pops up into my head is uh the movie children of men
0: which i have not seen
1: oh you gotta see that that's really well done um and i very much enjoy that and i've gone back to that a few times Mm -hmm. um so i guess there are things i think if they're good enough if they're engaging enough i'm going to enjoy watching it um but I've, I didn't even, you know, I've never seen Strange Days. I didn't have an interest in it at that time. So it's really, I guess, the appeal of the actual um, um, entertainment that, that that comes up. I don't know if it's really the the genre that I'm interested in, but the specific um, film or TV show.
0: Does anxiety feed into any of the art you like? Like, are there things that you listen to or read or, or watch for entertainment that play off of your fears, your anxiety. That that kind of fuels what you're watching.
1: Um, probably yes. I think a lot of of what is entertainment these days just has that in there somewhere. Characters are always um, um, anxious about something. Um, are they anxious about the end of the world? No, I'm not. Are they really... anxious
0: about things you're anxious about? I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, can you watch or do you find yourself watching and being involved with entertainment that ties into what legitimately makes you uneasy, terrifies you, whatever?
1: Um, I think I can. I'm trying to see if there's an example and I can't really think of any right now. But I mean, you know, my anxiety, again, stems from the the future for my family and their well-being. Um and that pops up in, in all sorts of family dramas and sitcoms. And um, Do you find yourself relating to that differently then? Yeah, I think that, I do. Yeah? Certainly different than I did as a, as a kid. Um, if, if there was anything similar, I mean... Is it harder to watch that entertainment? Like something like A Quiet Place, from what I
0: understand. is about a family running from... Well, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen know, it, but there it is that, a family. That's a
1: great example because I have... Struggled. I haven't seen The Quiet Place yet, and Mm -hmm. part of I don't know if that makes it a great example. Well, no, it is because part of the reason I haven't seen it is because it's like, ah, do I want to live through that? Do I want to experience that in this in this in this movie? Um, Because I know that's an aspect of the film, and and so I haven't I've shied away from it, Um, and maybe that was subconscious because it's really this is the first time I'm kind of thinking about why I haven't just gone right out and, and watched it because it was so well received. Um, and I bet you that's, that's it.
0: I'm going to guess because it's not streaming for free yet, but you know, but
1: it could be either. There's loads. It. Yeah, that's probably it. But, um, if it were streaming for free, it's still, you know, I could, I could rent it. I, I have that ability, Tim, and I just haven't gone out and done it. So that's an excellent point. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it depends on, on what they're doing. Perhaps I, I relate more to the comical take on those anxieties. Um, but when it's, you know family in danger and the stresses of that. That that that's something I guess I don't really uh, run
0: out to. But your anxiety in the nineties, you were saying before, maybe this is answered in comedy. You were talking about like you had anxieties of uh, you know, what do you do after college, moving out to California? Am I right on that? That's what yeah. some of your yeah. were you watching movies that that's some tied good listening into to them. Them. Well, you know, I <laughs> I do have to write the show notes, so I should try to. Um <laughs> Were you watching films at that time that reflected that? Like, were you seeking out movies? And again, they might have been comedies because however you dramatize something is how you dramatize it. I know it's not on a global scale, but it's on your scale. Like, were you looking for yeah, work that mimicked that? I, mimic I that? think I
1: was uh, watching those things. I don't know that I was seeking them out because of that. Um, trying to Were think you think of mimicking some- them? Were they feeding?
0: Like, something like, uh, I think you have mentioned before, you saw Swingers when you moved out to California. Right. Was that a parallel to that experience, Did that play into any of the heart? Did that make working through any element of being away from New England, being in a new place, and all the stuff? Did that help with that at all?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, it yeah, because you could you could see that that it's, it's it was relatable, and that you can turn it into something um, bigger and better. You can take your anxieties and and have some fun with it, um, and 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 maybe that's why. I, I related to that. I'm also did it thinking create of, anxieties in you?
0: Did it generate new anxieties that wouldn't have been there, but they were in the movie, so you mimic them?
1: Um, I don't think that did, but I mean, we always go back to the standby friends. I think I probably took some of Chandler's anxieties and 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 accentuated and exaggerated them uh, within myself. Um, so so I've I've done that for sure. Why take that action with something? Well, I think that's it's because I don't necessarily know. And if we've talked, we've had this as a topic before. I don't necessarily know how to deal with the anxiety, but if I see someone doing it, you know, well and comically, perhaps, especially uh, at that age, it's like he, he's he's dealing with it. So let me let me just kind of turn my anxiety more towards that direction, um, and and then use use him as an example, use this movie as an example to to deal with that. But at that point, is that
0: a real anxiety or are you play
1: acting a performance That's in a hopes of managing question. something else? That's a great question. And, and does that play acting develop new anxieties? Um, yeah. I bet you there's a lot of that involved. I, I today, um, own all of my anxieties as my own. On DVD? <laughs> I'm pretty, no. I'm pretty confident that, that all of these anxieties are just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Once, but back that show some growth yeah i probably was using some some pop culture to help me along or hinder me along i guess well because something in, in talking about this topic
0: today and and you know we can decide whether it was successful or not to talk about but the audience my will fear, decide like well but not on twitter audience <laughs> not on twitter bob sees that <laughs> if you have something horrible to say put it on facebook he's not on facebook that it won't hurt him um <laughs> Please, for people who listen, don't hurt them. <laughs> no, I, because you, you know, you were talking at the beginning again, I wasn't prepping for the end of the world at the turn of the century. I was fearing it. I was anxious for it, but I wasn't prepping for it. So yeah, did I really think it was going to happen? Eh. Sitting with something for that amount of time and reaching it, I think at the end of it is just, I mean, I, I, I think I'm finding, I, I just, this, it's, it's aging, it's progression. I it's it's it's, it's, it's having gotten to that point means that there is more behind me now, and and that I think that's where some of that anxiety was coming from, and it's coming from pop culture. And it's odd because nineteen ninety nine is also the pivot point for this show as a podcast. And and when I look back and why do we do this show and why is it nineteen ninety nine, there is a weird pivot. There is a change. There was a an end of some sort that symbolically was beginning to happen. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that there is some lingering feelings of that, but, but I don't know. I don't know if I was aware of that. Like, it's interesting hearing you say that, you know, the anxieties you had, if you'd pick like friends to watch, it kind of guided you and helped you with that reading about and hearing about 1999 for all my life really built up more of an anxiety than was useful. But at the end, I, I can't be what the anxiety actually was. It couldn't have been that I was really anxious about the end. And again, I'm not entirely sure what it was, but it, it's weird that it kind of interweaves that way. That the the, the 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 pop culture can serve as a way of dealing with free flowing anxiety, sort of, or free, yeah. um, you know, just this randomness that I'm unsure about or uncertain about.
1: And do you have it now? Like we don't. You don't really seem to have it now. Is that right? Have what? Have what now? that that end of world anxiety
0: well it's grafted on the other things you know i i it's grafted on the reality of actually getting older of actually being closer to death of actually having people i know pass and also i mean i you know i can't escape it that i do think something apocalyptic is happening politically right i do think that aspects of this country are going to be gone if they're not already pretty soon so there is that And some of that is teasing, again, the same feeling of go big when you go to the end. So I know that. But, but yeah, I don't don't think I'm necessarily obsessed about the concepts of of a nuclear war or a wayward planet smacking into our planet. So it's not assigned to a date because now it's something that I'm like, oh, no, it's just happening.
1: (laughs) And it's not fiction. That's probably the scarier part. Yeah. How about the anxiety of this episode coming to an end?
0: Well, I think we're there. The <laughs> anxiety for that is more, is this an episode? I guess it was this worth listening to. That's, that's where the anxiety is everywhere. But, uh, but you listen to it, so thanks, which means you probably already know what I'm going to tell you. But let's say for some reason you're anxious and you skipped the end. to <laughs> See how it turned out? You know what you can do? You can actually go and hear the beginning of this, plus other episodes like this, by going to uh, 20popcast.com. That's the the main website for the show, 20popcast.com. It always has the most recent episode up right there on on the main page, as well as links to all of our past episodes. Um, We had switched over recently to a different uh, way of getting our episodes out, so there are still a few old links that are broken for older episodes. We're working on getting all those finally fixed, so pretty much the whole catalog should be up there, hopefully, by the end of the month. Uh, But if you do visit us at 20popcast.com, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at 20popcast. Uh, You get some images and information about the show. And you can also subscribe to us, which is what I would advise you to do. If you enjoy the show, maybe not this episode, but other episodes, and you want to hear it again? You know, subscribe to us on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and Stitcher, on however you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, having ha- having a, a following like that helps us out, and that way you never miss an episode. Bob, what, what
1: about you? Uh, yeah. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Rh Canning. You can't follow me on Facebook. I'm not there. Thanks, not Tim, there. for making people uh, aware uh, aware of that. Um, But yeah, I I think people will have enjoyed this episode And I'd like to, as always, hear from those folks that did enjoy it or didn't um, And see what fears they had uh, leading up to 1999 Yeah, uh, I'm curious, were people anxious? Yeah, were the people experiencing this? What what other uh, theories and predictions were there that maybe we didn't talk about today? Mm -hmm. Curious what people feared Or did we cover it all?
0: I, I don't think it's that. I don't, I don't think we covered it at all. did we cover anything. Was anything covered, did I we? think? Is it cold because nothing got covered? Was things left exposed, but not discussed? Maybe. worry There's nothing you can do about it anyway.
1: You won't find me on an airplane. I think it's safe to say. We're going down with our chips on New Year's
0: Day. One of the earliest jokes I ever wrote that I was proud of I was totally reliant on someone having a copy of the book. And if you're reading it in school, so I thought, oh, I'll do this. But I used to think like this also would be a great way to meet somebody. I thought, so when I got to college, I think I constantly was ready to do this bit. If I encountered someone, like, let's say you were there, you know, let's say I didn't know you, but I was interested in you. I was like, oh, that, that, that gentleman, he looks like he might know a thing or two about the number three. So you're sitting there and if you, let's say you're reading a copy of George Orwell's 1984 do you know the book 1984 by george orwell
1: i know of the book
0: yes sir yeah so i would walk over i would walk and i I wrote this (laughs) this was a joke i wrote when i was in high school i would walk over to you as you're reading and i'd be like hey i don't mean to ruin it for you but mondale loses i was so proud of that that i just tried to do it without gore And I also just tried to relate the story and blew that. (laughs) But I wrote that. I wrote that as as what I thought was a clever joke. And while I was in high school, I was like, this is going to be great. And I'm going to meet so many people doing this. I also had another fantasy. I remember walking through the Boston Commons in my first couple weeks there. And I saw this this woman walking a gigantic dog. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if she lost control of the dog? The dog came over and jumped on me and knocked me down like it does in a movie. You know, started licking me and she came over. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I remember thinking like, oh, that'd be so funny because I'd be lying there. I'd be like, oh, no problem. What's the dog's name? Vlad the Impaler, I think is what I thought I would say. Like I used to create and generate these little skits, these clever things to say. No wonder the universe wanted to swap me down to 1999. I'm a waste. Both of those things are true, by the way. Both of those are things I thought were clever and I just got to make them happen. Oh, and the other one I remember I was thinking this would be great to really do. Let's say you're with someone and you're with them for a while.
1: Uh-huh. For and a while. I'm for with a someone while. for a while. Yeah. For okay. a while.
0: Um and so like you've been together, you're in a couple, you know, they stay the night, you have a nice time. And you roll over and and you say to them, "Hey, hey did did you have gonorrhea before you got in bed?" And you know that that might, you know, like you gave it to them. Right. Like you gave or clap. That's you could do it with a clap. All, I just wrote that one. That one's stuff. new.
1: That, that I, one's more apocalyptic than the others, but. Yeah,
0: I'm going to use that one. It works. Can't wait. Hey, did, <laughs> is this or maybe like something like, hey, uh, is, this, is this your clap in my pan? I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to think how to do that. <laughs> is that a clap? Yeah. There's a couple ways I could work that one. I'm going to work on that.
1: Yeah, you I'm Not, not that come,
0: I'm. Come back with the results next week or in two weeks. Well, I hope that, I hope that, I hope I am in the clear. We'll see what the results are. Good call. All right, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that sure. I sorry, I forgot. I had clap. Hmm. Now, how can I work? yeah, I'm work I'm going to work on that cuz I think there's something about having clap to turn the lights out, but I don't
1: I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, no, that will work. That put put that together. I can see All that right. That that's I want to see how that comes out. I want to use that one. So,
0: yeah, I'm working that and, uh, you know, giving (laughs) giving people what they want. More mid-90s douchebag come-ons here on 20th Century Pop. You've got clap. Now you do. How about that? (laughs) Aids to please. I don't know if that one's really good because you have to know the aim.
1: Yeah. It's my favorite way to end it is to let you keep talking. (laughs)